This podcast is brought to you in part by the estate of Bob Nelson. Bob was a lover of all things San Diego and a longtime supporter of Voice of San Diego and its podcasts. We at Voice of San Diego are honored to have his support during his lifetime and continued support through his estate planning. My mom says my neighborhood school isn't good enough. How am I supposed to know my kids are getting the best education possible? Welcome to Good Schools for All, a podcast from the investigative news organization Voice of San Diego. We cut through the jargon and polarized debate to get you the news and ideas that matter. Good schools are at the heart of our democracy and economy, and we're about good schools for all kids. We hope you'll learn and maybe teach us something. Enjoy the show. There should be an excellent school in every community. The culture of the district was basically based on retaliation and intimidation. That, those are the two words that I can think of. You know, parents just, we, we have a trust of the school system that uh, we probably should not have. They wanted to change the culture. The culture at Sweetwater was corrupt. Did I think justice was served? No. Not only no, but hell no. Rats hide in the dark, and I don't hide from anybody because I don't have anything to hide. And you know what? When we first started, they could have changed, and this none of this would have happened. This is a story about a group of people who started paying attention to their local public school district, had questions, could not get answers, and did something about it. I'm Ashley McGlone, an investigative reporter for Voice of San Diego, Earlier in my career, I worked for the San Diego Union-Tribune newspaper. I was assigned to cover schools in San Diego County's South Bay. That included the Sweetwater Union High School District, a 40,000-student 7th through 12th grade public school district led by then-superintendent Jesus Gondora and five elected school board members. Those leaders would eventually become the talk of the town for all the wrong reasons. A stream of news reports revealed troubling actions and decision-making that made even those who didn't know anything about the district or how it worked cringe. Contractors were invited to the bridal shower of the superintendent's daughter, where money was sought from the very people seeking to do work with the district. School bond money promised for construction projects was borrowed for day-to-day operating expenses. D and F grades were erased from student report cards, pushing some kids through to graduation and struggling students were transferred to alternative schools just in time to miss state testing at their local school. The list goes on. Public pressure eventually mounted, and on June 21, 2011, the superintendent's contract was terminated after a marathon board meeting that lasted until 2 a.m. That was six years ago. By then, some of the actions by Sweetwater leaders had the attention of the San Diego County District Attorney's Office. Then came this. District Attorney Bonnie Domanis is calling this the largest public corruption case the DA's office has ever prosecuted. Investigators are calling it a corrupt pay-to-play bribery scheme involving South Bay schools and college boards. School board trustees and a superintendent at the Sweetwater Union High School District were entrusted with looking out for the best interests of the taxpayers, parents, students, and schools. Instead, our investigation shows they traded their votes on awarding bond projects for a long list of bribes. 
Dumanis went on to file 152 criminal charges against Sweetwater school leaders, plus another 98 charges against a number of contractors and public officials at the neighboring San Ysidro School District and Southwestern College. The DA based her case on evidence of whining and dining by school contractors. Construction executives paid for Chargers and Rose Bowl football tickets, Lakers tickets, theater tickets, hotel stays, and even gave money for a beauty pageant for one school board member's daughter. The gifts often exceeded state limits and weren't disclosed by public officials. Dumanis alleged the gifts were received in exchange for favorable votes on lucrative construction contracts. One board member wrote in an email to a construction manager, quote, I support those who support me, end quote. In the end, 22 charges stuck, and guilty pleas of some kind were entered by every public official charged. Though most felonies were dropped, Sweetwater's superintendent and two board members pleaded guilty to felony conspiracy. Gondra was sentenced to seven months in custody, served in jail, and under house arrest. One former board member was sentenced to six months in custody, also served in jail and under house arrest. Another school board member got 90 days of house arrest. The rest of the Sweetwater defendants pled guilty to misdemeanor charges, paid fines, did community service, were put on probation, and forced to leave office. Behind it all was a small but loud and persistent group of people that dared to challenge their public officials and help topple a corrupt power structure. This is that story, told by them. Let's go back to the beginning. So my name is Stuart Ping. I am a, a parent of several students that went to Sweetwater Union High School District. My name is Fran Brinkman, and I was a teacher for the Sweetwater School District for 36 years. And uh, I'm retired now. Kathleen Cheers. I was a parent at the time, uh, but my role grew into grandparent because my daughter graduated. And I'm also, I was also a graduate of the district. I am Maddie Adato. I was a parent. I was actually attended Sweetwater. I then was a parent and now I'm a community member. My name is Berta Lopez. I'm, I've actually, I'm a current resident of the city of Chula Vista. I was a former board member. Ask why they first began paying attention to Sweetwater's leadership, and you get entirely different answers. You know, I was like most parents. You know, you send your kids to school. If they come home at the end of the day, and they've got a book or two, or some homework, uh, you assume that everything at the school is running smoothly. Uh, unless there's some other event that occurs. For Stuart Payne, seeing his daughter's basketball coach fired for allegedly recruiting students got his attention. He claims the school board ignored evidence no recruiting took place. And so that was my first hint that something wasn't right about the leadership of that board. You know, parents just, we, we have a trust of the school system that uh, we probably should not have. Grandparent Kathleen Cheers got more involved after hearing bond projects scheduled for nearby Montgomery High School were being canceled. And I received a call from staff advising me that Jesus Gondara, who was the then superintendent, had redlined our project and was going to be using the money, switching or transferring the money to Sweetwater High School. It was uh, several renovations of buildings and also a new football field. With me, it... A lot of it started when 
my homeschool is East Lake High School. Parent Maddie Adato. So when parents would come up to me that my kids had gone to elementary school with and middle school with and say that their kids are sitting on the floor and that there's no desks and there's no books and we can't get the master schedule right and we're already four months into the school year and there are kids that don't have a classroom and there are teachers having to haul their books and this is all because of mismanagement and non-planning. We had to file complaints to the state in order to get our books, and that's what kind of started causing the problems. As a teacher, Fran Brinkman saw other things that were concerning, too. Right before any major testing, we would be, you know, uh, inundated with kids. And in our alternative ed program and the rented spaces, you know, around the city, but also the learning centers. You know, these kids were being taken out of the mainstream and put into uh, alternative ed so that their scores did not count against their schools, so that the state didn't have a clear picture of how poor the education quality was in the Sweetwater Union High School District. And then little did I know that the school was in in very poor condition. Uh, The facilities were awful. Sweetwater parent and former school board member, Bertha Lopez. We have kids that are eating lunch where there's a sewer, the water from the sewer coming out right in the middle of the lunch court. So then I said, you know, nothing's going to happen. It's very obvious. I need to run for the school board in order for me to make any decisions because I don't like what's going on. What began as individual quests for answers grew into a cooperative effort. Fran Brinkman and fellow teacher John Brickley along with Kathleen Cheers, Maddie Adato, and Stuart Payne, began attending school board meetings regularly and poured over the meeting agendas. Bertha Lopez, who taught kindergarten in National School District, was initially on the school board for the Chula Vista Elementary School District nearby. She ran for Sweetwater School Board and was elected in 2008. What she didn't expect was how different Sweetwater would be. So I just felt that nothing was hidden from me. And that's the kind of a culture that I came from in... um, in uh, Chula Vista, I was always told the truth. I was always told the truth. And I had time to ask questions. Well, when I came to Sweetwater, there was always lies, you know, and everything was painted in a, with a beautiful picture. And yet, I knew that when I looked at the data, our kids were doing very poorly. And I was being told, well, this is the case on this. This is the problem in this school. No, there's no excuses. There shouldn't be any excuses. And I would constantly ask questions. So dishonesty is what kept me going. And because I wanted to get down to the truth. The culture of the district was basically based on retaliation and intimidation. Those are the two words that I can think of. And so as I would sit and listen uh, or wait my turn... I'm listening to other things, and I'm going, wow, we really have a problem here. The group began hearing troubling stories and monitoring other district issues. Board member campaigns were a big deal. You had to do the bidding. You you basically had to do the unscrupulous things that the superintendent didn't want to appear to be doing. We were told that teachers, employees of schools, were expected to donate to to board members and that people would be sent to the school to pick up the checks. Employees are free to support school board candidates and donate to their campaigns, 
but donations shouldn't be coerced, and contribution limits can't be circumvented through straw donors that get reimbursed for their donations. There was a lot of uh, people that were being forced to uh, to work on certain campaigns. There were people that worked that put a lot of hours and and, and actually put in money for those campaigns, and um, because you needed to do that in order for for you to even get uh, promoted. And um, so, so it just got worse. I think it just kind of, it was a way of living that culture. And so our situation was the board was really working for the superintendent, not the other way around. And they weren't asking him questions. They weren't holding him accountable. And uh, in exchange for him being in charge, he would go out and get them these donations from the contractors. That was a setup. When we looked at the campaign donations and we looked at the planning and facilities and we began to see a connection between the board members' um, campaigns and the amount of money that the contractors that Gilbane and SGI, which is the company we hired to manage Propo, was putting into these campaigns, to me, it spoke corruption, and they basically bought the board members. And I was sitting there, you know, I, Mont- Montgomery's a very poor area, and I was looking at the, the conditions of the school, and I was wondering, where's the money going? And then the more we began to research and we started pulling items and backtracking, we could see that there was a lot of mismanagement. Then we started to get some information on, um, you know, some of the shenanigans going on with the contractors. And, you know, earlier on, you know, um, Dr. Gonder, the superintendent, would have had a, you know, a bridal shower for his daughter and invited all the board members and contractors and had a jar set up and a a money tree. But it wasn't just a tree. They had a big jar that, you know, that they were to put money in. You know, you wanted to donate to Dr. Gondra's, you know, any cause because he was a man that made made the difference in whether a contract was going to be given to people or not, you know, the contractors. So they had to play along. And it was wrong, and there was no way to stop it after we started getting information that wasn't just about lack of books and kids for our program. This was district-wide corruption. You know, and if the principal was in good or an assistant principal, they got jobs and promotions and more money at their sites. It, it was it was just scary. So you see that, that these pet projects were brought in, and then you put two and two together that that pet project went with a contractor that donated to that board member's campaign. I witnessed a lot of situations where people asked for things. I did. And then um, I was also told um, uh, by an administrator, you know, um, look, you don't have to cook every night. We can always go and eat with a contractor. And I didn't have time to go eat with a contractor. Bond projects routinely ran over budget, a pattern that worried parent Stuart Payne. And so that bond goes and it passes. I didn't vote for it. 
But I kept watching it. And I kept watching the change orders. And my concern was that they were going to run out of money by the time they got to the east side schools uh, because of the way they were approving the change orders. Soon, the group came up with a system to divide the labor. They divvied up each school board agenda and decided who would speak publicly about items of interest. Meetings got longer and longer, and their demands for answers and accountability got louder. I first started going to the board meetings, and they would last maybe till 9 or 10. I had no idea what I was getting into. No idea. We would, I, we would research every single item. We would go back through previous board meetings, going back years. When I say I spent hours every week, I spent hours researching every single item. And the reason I continued to go was because the more I went, the more I observed the district, the more I spoke with Maddie and Fran and Stuart and John, I realized what a mess we were in. And I realized that it was my civic duty. You know, when you get to be a certain age, and I'm that age, um, you kind of think, what am I going to leave behind? This was my pay it forward. So the, the small victories along the way, you know, did a lot to, to help keep us motivated and to help us, you know, do the research. I, you know, I remember being on the phone with Mrs. Cheers and Fran at 11, 12 o'clock at night, you know, and we're going through the agenda and pulling items and, you know, referencing information that happened two years ago or four years ago to see what the history of that item was. Others started noticing the vocal group of people attending meetings and saw Lopez asking questions, too. All of a sudden, I started getting information under my doormat. That started happening in, in January 2010. And I would come home, and I'd find an envelope, a manila envelope with... I thought, okay, fine. At the very beginning, I thought, what is this about? And I started looking at it, and I go, oh, my gosh. Oh, do, this information I'm not getting from anybody at, at the district office, at one of the district. This information that I, I'm getting from somebody else that works within the district and that wants me to have that information. And, uh, and, and, and it never failed. Prior to the board meeting, I would get under, something under my doormat. Alternative education teacher Fran Brinkman also got information from other employees and shared it with the others. Information began pouring in from all corners of the district. And we'd get information from secretaries, from other principals in the district that helped us. There's quite a few. And we would get the information, pass it on to her. We had so many principals we had involved in this and secretaries from different schools that would call. And the information that we were given you know, was just, you know, like, oh, my God, catastrophic. It was just, this is ridiculous. And, you know, Sweetwater High School, as bad a reputation it has had for the kids and being sent out and stuff, those people over there were a big portion of the people that really cared, those teachers that were supplying, you know, information and things to, um, you know, help us 
So just to see that that we were the voice of the people that worked in the district and the people that couldn't say anything. And for the students, I think that that had a lot to do with with us saying, we're not going to give up on this because we know it's wrong. I believe that the majority of teachers and counselors and administrators, custodians, everyone at Sweetwater, they care about the kids. And I think that they wanted to do their part. They wanted to change the culture. The culture at Sweetwater was corrupt. There are a lot of unsung heroes in the Sweetwater School District that gave us information that we needed. And that's very important to, 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 for everyone to understand that we all had a role to play. But not everyone welcomed their presence and level of involvement. In mid-2010, Bertha Lopez was sued by the district's director of alternative education, who accused her of harassment after she asked questions about an employee overtime dispute and dropped by unannounced. The case was dismissed by a judge in January 2011. In 2012, while parent Stuart Payne was leading a recall effort against multiple board members, one board member got a temporary restraining order against him after an encounter in the district parking lot left him frightened for his safety. Payne defended himself in court, and a judge declined to issue a permanent order. It got to the point where they even put security on us at board meetings. We paid over $150,000 in security, and you think about it, how many kids could that have helped? How many free lunches? How many? It's, it was just mind-boggling, and it just made you more angry. All that security for five people. For five people. They didn't want us there anymore, and they thought that we would back down, but little did they know, we just dug our heels in deeper and said, we're not backing down. This, it's only angering us. To me, it was intimidation. It was a way of, of uh, you know, shutting them down. And there was no way you're going to shut these people down, no. you know, because the more that they, they, it was a lot of resistance, you know. I just took their voices forward many times. It was always done in public. Um, uh, they would try to cut them off. They would um, change the rules in the middle of the game. And I would bring it back. I would bring it back. We're not mean-spirited people, but when you're doing something wrong, you have to cover it up. And that's what they wanted. They didn't want any of this information getting out anymore. Getting information out to the public and the media took a lot of work. As the hours spent monitoring district activities grew, so did the personal cost. Maddie Adato. And everybody would take their, you know, their little pockets. We'd assign everybody a little pocket of the board meeting. But it, it got to a point where, you know, your husband kind of looks at you and says, okay, when is enough going to be enough? When are you going to be done with this? Or your kids say, why aren't you home that much anymore? Or you know, So it does. It takes a personal toll. You know, it was, it was rough. <laughs> you know, you'd have to figure out, you know, my kids have something going, or I need to do this with my family, but I got to go to this meeting. And so you were kind of caught between attending the board meeting and supporting family stuff or getting personal rest. You know, I had to work. Uh, I was running a, a, a business as well. And, you know, I would be there to, you know, 11, 12, 1 o'clock in the morning and still had to get up and go and function uh, in my, my day job. So it, it was quite a toll. Kathleen cheers. I get emotional, so bear with me. I am 
people think of me as a bitch. I don't know if I'm supposed to say that on mic, but anyway. Because I present myself as that way. But what people that don't know me don't know is that I'm a Pollyanna. I believe in truth and justice for all. And I would be up to two and three o'clock in the morning talking to Stuart Payne. We would be researching things. My husband would be in bed and get out and go, what are you doing? Fran Brinkman. You know, it was, you know, it was just mind-boggling. The, you know, the stress, the, you know, I was like, God, I should just retire and get the hell out of Dodge. And, you know, yeah, I was scared a lot of the time, to be honest. Absolutely scared. My board work started right after school. If I wanted to go meet with somebody, and if somebody called me and they wanted to meet at 11 o'clock at night, I met with them. Because this is the way that I felt that if it was important for them to get out at 11, it would have been important for me too. And I met with a lot of teachers at that point, at that time, 11 o'clock at night. And they, don't want, they didn't want to be seen with me because they were afraid. They were afraid that they would get any retaliation from the administration or anything like that. It was one day that uh, I was going to work and in my car, I stepped out to my car and, and someone had egged my car. My car was keyed. Um, someone at night came to knock at my door and, um, and then we would open the door, you know, and nobody was there. It was, you know, um, I hear, uh, a dog, a dog barking in the back, um, and because somebody was doing to something to the dog and needless to say, I was a nervous wreck. From the outside looking in, though, Bertha Lopez was as strong as ever and didn't hesitate to publicly question or challenge the superintendent or her board colleagues if something didn't add up. She pressed staff for more information and often cast the lone dissenting vote on important matters. There was a power struggle going on between her and the superintendent. Routine agenda review meetings went from 30 minutes to 15 minutes to non-existent. Facts became scarce through official channels. I cried in, in, in many situations because um, the pressure that I was given and uh, people didn't realize that. So I could have a glass of wine, you know, but then I had to go to work the following day and had to deal with, with little kindergartners. So I had to be fresh. We had a meeting and I came home after finding out so much stuff that was going on. I cried. I literally cried for about three and a half hours. I could not come down because I was so upset and uptight that people were lying to me and not knowing who was lying. I think that was the most frustrating point that I, that I was going through. So for January, February, March, April of 2009, I will always remember those months. Any time that I had to go to a board meeting in Sweetwater, I got sick. My stomach turned. Um, I was starting to get headaches because I didn't want to go. I didn't want to go. Flyers were circulated in her neighborhood. My neighbors were sent a letter saying that um, 
I was having affairs with a couple of principals. Um, they said that um, that I was a child molester, and um, and that I was a really to watch out for me because I was a very bad neighbor. She also feared for her son attending school in the district. My son was already in high school, and that was my biggest fear that that they would plant something in his locker. So I requested that he that he would that there was no locker for him. So what kept them going amid all the stress? So that's what that's what kept me going is just because I just can't do dishonesty. And that just really bothered me. And what happened in my case is I felt like I had started something that I had to finish. I had no idea it was going to take the number of years that it actually took. I had no idea that it was going to take the path that it eventually took either. And so I felt like if we didn't do it, nobody else would. And these folks would continue to get away with crimes. I would say that it's every person has a responsibility to leave this earth better than they found it. Every person has a responsibility to stand up for what's right. Perseverance and finding the truth and telling the truth. To me, it's, it's making sure that people know the truth and not being lied to. By mid-2011, the rancor had reached a fever pitch. Board meetings became crowded. News stories had revealed Superintendent Gondora charged $30,000 to a district credit card over a three-year period. The charges included $11,500 for 300 meals, on top of an $800 monthly allowance the superintendent was given for meals and other expenses. Though Gondra said the charges were largely for community outreach, receipts showed most meals went to school board members. You know, the, the money tree uh, sticks out in my mind. Uh, the credit cards stick out in my mind. The uh, lady that was running the uh, cafeteria program uh, sticks out. The the principals getting uh, promoted when they should have been fired sticks out. And so it was, it was just it's a it was a lot of things happening, and it, it took a lot to get traction. So even though we had this big story about this superintendent who's using the school districts credit card and having a uh, a wedding party money tree uh, for his daughter who doesn't even live in California and inviting all of the contractors uh, and vendors. It was tough to get people outraged. Community outrage did come, though, and culminated on June 21, 2011, when Superintendent Jesus Gondra was let go at 2 a.m. after seven hours of closed-door discussions with attorneys and the school board. The night began with about 500 people in attendance. The crowd dwindled to 200 by morning. And it was a parade of administrators basically coming up there like, you know, oh, he's wonderful, he's wonderful. And we were sitting there, there was somebody dressed up like him. There was somebody wearing a donkey costume. Mm -hmm. 
we cannot even tell you the insanity of it all. Here's how our media partners at NBC San Diego described the scene. Hundreds of people packed into the Southwest High School gymnasium Monday night, many with signs showing their frustration and disgust with Sweetwater Union High School District Superintendent Dr. Jesus Gandala. Gandala was accused of misusing the district's credit card and hiring two PR firms without the knowledge of the full board. The district has also been accused of grade fixing. The teachers union president at the time, Alex Anguiano, described it this way. We have a vote of no confidence in the superintendent. It's a vote that we took two years ago. Uh, but at this point in time, uh, he simply has lost his credibility and it's time for our district to move on. But the district and local community would not be moving on anytime soon. Gondra received a $416,000 payout and he was allowed to use sick and vacation time plus administrative leave to remain on the payroll for more than two months in order to reach five years of service in California and qualify for a public pension. He later lost that pension after pleading guilty to felony conspiracy in 2014. The superintendent's dismissal was only the beginning of the end. There was so much more to come. Six months later, just days before Christmas, on December 20th, 2011, the county district attorney's office executed search warrants on the homes of Sweetwater School Board members Pearl Quinones, Arlie Ricasa, Bertha Lopez, and former board member Greg Sandoval. They also made stops at the home of construction executive Henry Amagable, whose documents became key evidence for the prosecution, and former Southwestern College Vice President Nicholas Aliotto. They had already searched the Pasadena offices of SGI, the firm managing the district's $644 million Proposition O school bond program. I remember I was at work and I got a call from, I think it was Fran, and said, put on the TV, put on the TV, you're not going to believe this. The group had given the district attorney's office materials and met with investigators to seek their help months earlier. The district attorney's search warrant affidavit filed in court said their contact kicked off the criminal investigation. When I got that call and when I turned on the TV, I was I was just like, we we did it. Now, now they'll know that they should have listened because they could have listened and they could have done the right thing but they chose not to. So, you know, a student doesn't do the right thing in school or, you know, does something wrong. They can get reprimanded, suspended, expelled, whatever. We, it almost got to a point where we felt we had no more recourse. And then finally, it was just like, you know something? We were right. We did do this and we accomplished something and someone finally listened. Fran Brinkman. I was thrilled, but when the DA's thing came through, it was like, oh, God, they really do believe us. It was more about the money than it ever was the kids, because that's the stuff they could prove. And, you know, it, it, it's just unbelievable how high it went. Kathleen cheers. We'd had a meeting, and we met with the FBI. And we we showed them the information that we had. And they basically said, don't call us, we'll call you. So we then gathered up the information again and went to the DA. And they basically said the same thing, don't call us, we'll call you. But we had put a lot of work into this. And when we saw 
what was happening. I, it may sound terrible to say this, but I felt like we had done it. We had paid it forward. We had made it. We had five average people had made a difference. And it felt good. It felt good. It just showed we were not the nutcases they had tried to paint us out to be. The experience was a bit different for school board member Bertha Lopez. She had also gone to the district attorney with information earlier that year, but she got a knock at her door that morning, too. And I said, "Uh, okay, well, my house is open. I don't have a problem. And so it was early morning. And my house was decorated with Christmas stuff. And, and I mean, they came in, and um, they were not talking to me. And then, you know, they started asking me questions. Where's your computer? That I, I said, it's there. And then, uh, uh, where's your phone? I go, here it is. You know, I, I handed everything they wanted to know. Everything I was, uh, do you have any um, uh, documents? That's the study room. Feel free, you know. And... Uh, and so they did all that, and uh, they were there for about 45 minutes. Um, it was scary because you see this people in uniform, and you go, oops, we never I never went through this before, you know. And, uh, and it was really scary. My heart was pumping, you know. The charges against Lopez came a year later. She faced five counts of filing a false instrument, five counts of receiving gifts above limits, five counts of perjury by declaration, two counts of accepting bribes, one count of conflict of interest, and one count of wrongful influence. All charges but one were later dropped. Lopez pleaded guilty in April 2014 to a misdemeanor charge of accepting gifts over state limits. She was sentenced in June 2014 to 40 hours of community service, three years of probation, and fined nearly $4,600. She was also removed from office, along with three of her board colleagues. I got charged, yeah, um, for not reporting uh, some dinners that I had at, that I had attended, and 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 it was sort of like um, to me there was a lot of confusion going on. To be honest with you, because I, I, in in Chula Vista, any time that we went to a dinner or anything, we paid for it ourselves. The district never paid. But when I got to Sweetwater, they, 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 the secretary would say, oh, there's an activity going on at so-and-so. Uh, would you like to attend? And I would say, yes. At the very beginning, I said, how much will it cost? And they said, oh, no, 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 the district has a table. So that's what I went by. But then later on, I found out, yeah, the district had a table because it was being paid by somebody else. And that's where the confusion was. But no one bothered to tell me. I went ahead and I amended amended it. But that wasn't enough for the for the district attorney. So I paid the consequences, you know. There was a chapter of my life where I was told a lot of lies. There was a lot of people that were deceived deceitful and there were a lot of people that did not did not um were not true to themselves that it was about them 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 and not about our students and our community 
Seeing Lopez charged with the other district leaders was hard to understand for those who had worked so closely with her for so long and seen her challenge the status quo. But I thought that her contributions after that fact, after she realized, hey, this guy's not on up and up, should have been taken into consideration because she was the only one that, that cared and listened and got involved. And I also wholeheartedly agree. And I think that Miss Lopez shouldn't have even been involved in this because she helped so much with everything that, 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 we, that we were able to accomplish. She was uh, the only person that really listened to us and really, really made a difference and stuck our neck out there for the kids and uh, found out, you know, the truth about what was really going on and was just totally shocked. She was a tremendous, tremendous help. So, you know, and people aren't aware of that. The public thinks that she was a dirty servant. And uh, they have no idea how these people were taken down. And she was a very big part of it. And I didn't hide from anybody. You know, I, I still don't hide from anybody because, you know, as the saying says, you know, rats hide in the dark. And I don't hide from anybody because I don't have anything to hide. As the same person that I am now, because I'm, I'm a doer and I'm a problem solver, and I like to help people. And that's always going to be me, no matter what, you know. In the end, the outcome of the DA's criminal case was bittersweet for those who had petitioned for justice and helped uncover so many issues over the years. I was glad that um, Gondra and Sandoval had, you know, had to do a little time. Um, I'm glad that um, Gondra isn't here in California but I don't know what kind of havoc he's wreaking in Texas or wherever he is. And what is that saying? Follow the money. We followed the money. And the money led back to corruption, the lobster dinners, all of that. Did I think justice was served? No. Not only no, but hell no. They fail to remember the the Southwest High School where there was a problem in the plumbing and with the sewage and oh just put it under the football field these are all things we uncovered so did i think justice was done no i do not and what has probably been the biggest disappointment to me is the fact that people really didn't learn from this and that's what this group of vigilant parents teachers and an elected official want for others to learn from sweetwater's mistakes and their experiences they urge others to step into the fray to hold their local government officials accountable. So first thing I would say is attend your local school board meeting, even if you don't think anything's wrong. Go there, listen to what's on the agenda, what decisions they're making. Our justice system is broken. Uh, our school systems, not just in Sweetwater, but across this country are broken. If we don't get involved in our schools, they're gonna to continue to be broken. If we don't get involved in our uh, system of justice, uh, it's gonna to continue to be broken. And as it relates to this case, it, it did not serve the students. It did not serve the community. 
the average person out there, the average mother, grandmother, father, aunt, uncle, does not realize that they have the power to bring about change. Every person can make a difference, but it takes a little bit of work. These are the future leaders of this country. It, they, we, they rely on us. They can't, they have no power. We have the power. Not those board members sitting up there, wheeling and dealing. You're paying taxes? Get involved. Because you need to know how the money's being spent. You know, it's nice to be sitting at home watching your your soap operas or whatever. You know, you're watching your programs. but And, and it's nice to, to ignore what's going out there. But it, it um, for a person like me, you know, who's very passionate about students and who I want them to be the future le- leaders, it's... Um, you need to get involved. What experience can I give other board members? Make sure you're on top of things. Don't take it for granted because somebody tells you the district is paying. Who in the district is paying for it? Ask that follow-up question and find out if it's a company or, or somebody else. Then, then you need to make sure that you reported it. We all make mistakes, but at least stand up and say, you know something, this might have been wrong. Let's see how we can fix it. Don't let anybody intimidate you. You have a voice. You need to use your voice. And you need to be the intimidating factor because the public has more power than they think that they do. So you need to start talking to people around you and start getting a, a, a team together to go forth and to 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 fight the battles because you're going, they're, they're battles, but... You know, you may win some battles, you may lose some battles, but you will eventually win that war that you, because it's just, when when someone does something wrong and they're dishonest, it's going to catch up to them. And I think that we all, we all know now that we can make a difference with either one voice or five, six, or seven voices, you can make a difference. You just... You can't give up. There's too many there's too many important topics and they all have to do with money and they all have to do with money going to the right places um to the schools to the students and making sure that we're educating our kids. That's our prized possession. We're putting them out in the world and a lot of them are lost. We're graduating kids that still can't read. And to me that's unacceptable. Keep vigilant people. Keep vigilant. Your tax dollars needs to go where it's supposed to go. You got to protect yourself. You have to be careful what you do. Never give up your sources, and you know, keep on plugging. And there's strength in numbers. And you know what? When we first started, they could have changed, and this none of this would have happened. Today's show was produced by me, Ashley McGlone. It was recorded by Adam Greenfield in the Great Voice of San Diego podcast studio, where we also produce Good Schools for All and I Made It in San Diego, a new podcast that's launching soon. Visit voiceofsandiego.org slash podcast to learn more about the VOSD podcast network, all the other shows we produce, and the ones we love to support, including The Kept Faith. If you like this podcast, please make a tax-deductible donation voiceofsandiego.org slash donate.